94.7 The Cave. KKLH, Marshfield, Springfield. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. Touchdown, Kansas City! Now, it's time for Ned Talk. Yeah, we are right here in the studio on this beautiful Sunday afternoon and where it's still just slightly cool. Talking about sports, I'm Joe Weston, joined by the namesake of our show, Ned Reynolds. Ned, how are you? Beautiful Sunday in the Ozarks. Blue sky, sun shining down brightly. As long as it doesn't hit 100, I think we're all right. When it gets to 100, I'm the only one who's all right. The rest of you guys are frying, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. We've got a rookie on the show with us today, Alex Scott. Alec uh, works with me at my other life, and uh, he's a hardcore Cardinal fan, so we brought him on the show with us to sit in because we've... We've had such a rotating cast lately. I need another face, another seat, another warm body. So we called him up for the minor leagues. How are you, Alec? I'm doing well today, Joe. Thanks for having me. And uh, 100, that's already too hot. If it breaks, <laughs> 75, I'm out. So let's go ahead and hope it uh, stays around where it's at right now. Thank God the air conditioning works. And Josh Roberts is back with us off the IR. How are you, Josh? Oh, I'm much better. Back in playing shape. Ready to go. <laughs> back in playing shape. So let's start. Uh, you know, we're sitting here with our, with our eggs and our our orange juice because we all took part in breakfast at Wimbledon this morning. <laughs> we've got our we've got our pinkies in the air and we're Novak Djokovic, he is the winner again as he takes another Wimbledon championship to add to his belt. I believe it's his fourth straight. Am I right about that? that I believe that's right. Fourth fourth in a row. And with this cast of characters, he's the individual who should have won. He's the top player in the world. He beats Nick Carrios today. In uh, what's it, three sets to one, I think the final score was. Karios won the first set. But Djokovic is the best of this group. Now, is he the best in the world? You have to understand there was a Russian ban at Wimbledon this year, and Daniel Medvedev, who is at ranked as one of the top, if not the number one player in the world, did not compete. He would have been there, in my opinion, would have been in the championship round, probably with Djokovic, what the pairings would have been. But therein lies, I think, the secret to our world situation at the moment. You're not seeing all of the best individuals, not just in tennis, but in any of the other sports as well. So that in and of itself is a little bit a little bit misleading. And in the women's division, uh, Elena Rybakina, Kina, I should say, Rybakina came away with a victory. And uh, she is, <laughs> she's represents the nation of Kazakhstan, although she is Russian. She came Cheater. across the border. Yeah, well, the, she bent the rules a little bit, as did that nation. Bent. It was, it was fine, though. They it had to glue the rules can. back together after that one. <laughs> But it was it was an exciting Wimbledon. I mean, it, it was it was interesting. I, it was a little disappointing that Rafael Nadal had to bail out because of the 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 torn stomach muscle. But uh, it, it was really interesting. I probably watch more Wimbledon this year than I have in the past several years. Well, Nadal's absence uh, at the end, and there was no way he could have gone on and played. <laughs> he was he practiced. On Thursday at half speed. Well, half speed to us, us hackers out there, and still way more than enough to send us packing. But over and above that, he could not have competed at the level that he feels he should play. And hopefully, by the time the U.S. Open rolls around, which will be at the end of August and into early September, uh, he'll be healed. But those abdominal muscles are very tough to um, uh, reconstruct, so to speak, because there's really nothing you can do except wait for the healing process. I know. I'm, I'm trying to reconstruct my <laughs> abdominal muscles. 
Alec, let me ask you this because I've been watching this. I've been watching the Wimbledon finals here in the studio with the the volume down. I noticed a lot of talking going on. Was there I, some sort of story about a heckler? Did you so hear we, any of that? So we watched. There was a fan up in one of the upper sections. They actually had to stop mid volley for one round as it looked like a fan got tackled and escorted out. They also remain. Kyrios really likes to interact. He's a he thrives off it. They said one of his pastimes is basketball. He likes being with the people. He likes the energy. So his style of play is just going to be to interact with the crowd, interact with his box, and that keeps him moving. And I think it just looks more extreme juxtaposed next to a Djokovic who, under any circumstances, calm, cool, collected, <laughs> straight-faced. It makes it look like it was a little erratic, but I think he was just in his comfort zone because he – I think he showed he belongs to play with the guys like Djokovic, especially with that serve he had going today. But overall, just five sets is too much to go against a guy like Djokovic. We have uh, Josh Roberts back. I mentioned that earlier. He is our regular soccer professional. But did you watch any of Wimbledon at all? I, I did. I watched a little bit of it. I, Wimbledon is I, – I, I have a fondness for it because – when I was in London in 94 in school, I actually went to a wrestling event at, at Wim, Wimbledon. <laughs> a wrestling event yeah, at they Wimbledon? Had a wrestling event. So anyway. I need to wait. Stop. You, I, I need to know more about the wrestling <laughs> event at Wimbledon. Tell us about that. It was this huge, it was a huge, like, I don't know. I can't remember what it was called, but the main event was, there were two main events. It was The Undertaker versus Yokozuna in a coffin match. <laughs> And then um, the Hart Foundation, which was uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart and Bret Hart against Owen Hart and the British Bulldog that was still alive, Davy Boy Smith. So those were the two main events. And you could get liter bottles of Heineken. So, but, but they limited you to four. So I drank four liters of Heineken that night. Did you throw up? No, I didn't throw up. Okay, we were so, standing so, on our chairs and yelling at people. So I'm sure this wasn't at Wembley Stadium? Oh, gosh, yes. It was Wembley, <laughs> yeah. actually, not Wimbledon. Excuse oh, me. Okay. All right. They both that. start with a W, and I drank a lot when I was in there. So. <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say, mind. I was really having a hard time imagining this. Yeah. I was having a very hard time. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I'll just go back into my cave. We'll well, see okay, week. all right. Did you watch? So I did. you watched. Okay, did. tell me about that. I still have a fondness for Wimbledon. I love the grass court. I love the the style of play. It is it's funny to me that tennis has evolved to where it is more vocal and more grandiose than it used to be. And there's so many people that don't want that. They want it to be very calm, very quiet. But the sport is kind of evolving to to be a louder sport. Uh, well, uh, let's go around and ask everybody about that, because is that a product of the players being a little bit boring? Oh, I think you could say that figures into the mix somehow. But the innovation that Billie Jean King came up with with World Team Tennis, in which they did allow that kind of behavior, probably had an influencing factor because while not all of these big-name pros played in that now-defunct league, uh, they did absorb some of that. And I don't think they're alien to people cheering and carrying on and so forth, but that was a little extreme, what WTT did with music playing and drums beating and all that. and a little bit unusual, but I think it probably morphed over a little bit into that. It's it's more a product of society than it is anything else. I grew up during the period of time when 
uh, Jimmy Connors, John Macarone, Bjorn Borg were big players. And there was always this kind of what's going to happen when these guys meet. <laughs> Alec is quite a bit younger than all of us here. So he's that's one of the reasons why we brought him in the show. You've grown up at the robot tennis player era. Yeah, I mean, what tennis wants you to believe, it's the gentleman's game. You know, this is a civilized sport. You treat your opponent with respect. And they still do that in all the aspects. But I feel like just in every sport across the board, you're seeing a change in athletes. You know, they are expressing themselves. They are allowing themselves to show more emotion, be who they are as the individual, as much as a brand as it is the athlete. And for some of these guys, that's going to work really well. And I think, you know, as they... As you get to some places, it might not work with all of the crowd, but I think some crowds are going to start craving more of that. They're going to want to see people. They want to see interaction. They want to see who is and who is Novak Djokovic, the person, not the tennis player, and that might even endear him more to others. And it certainly opens you up to a broader audience. Josh, your thoughts? T-shirt cannons. <laughs> Wet t-shirt contest and t-shirt cannons. T-shirt cannons. They should shoot hot dogs at people. Yeah. No. Um. I, you know. I I don't know what to think because part of me, part of me feels like tennis does need to be that more gentlemanly sport, more reserved. But I agree. I mean, it's an evolution of society. It's an evolution of the players. It's it's a, more of an expression of them than it is the sport itself. So I feel like it's going to continue whether we want it to or not. I feel like there's going to be more expression. But I like you said, we grew up in the era with those guys who were very demonstrative when things didn't go their way. And then you transitioned into guys like Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras and those guys who were kind of halfway between a McEnroe and, you know, they were a little more reserved, but they still got really excited and, and, and uh, vocal at times. So I don't know. I don't, as long as it's not negatively influencing the play of the sport, I don't think there's going to be a problem. But if they have to tackle people in the stands, you're creating issues there. Well, I think fans are getting more involved. I mean, we saw this over 4th of July with the guy that jumped up on stage at the hot dog eating contest. I mean, if there can't be decorum at a hot dog eating right. contest... <laughs> Joey Chestnut's got to do his thing. Yeah, Joey, and, and you know, he did his thing and tackled the guy. So He's eating hot dogs while he gets this guy in a neck hold. That, now, I changed my whole opinion of Joey <laughs> Chestnut. More power to the guy. Good job, Joey. He's our most celebrated athlete, really. Yeah, he is. yeah. yeah he's an American, he's an American he's treasure. He's like a 12-time yeah. champion. Fifteen, yeah. time champion. Nadal's won fourteen French Opens. Joey Chestnut, fifteen Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Was, wasn't it Kobayashi before him? The yeah, Japanese Kobayashi guy. was the guy that won it almost every year mm -hmm. before him. Yeah, so nobody well, beats the chestnut. You're listening. To <laughs> <laughs> you're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, your local live sports talk show. Let's talk about the event that we have going on this week. It's happening on Thursday night, Ned. Set the stage. It's a lot of fun. First of all, it's a preseason Chiefs rally that we have, and it'll be at the Blue Room Comedy Club. This is a change in locale now from where we've been in the past, but the Blue Room Comedy Club is downtown Springfield to the west of the square by about a block, block and a half somewhere uh, in that vicinity, and uh, a great setting for what we're going to have. Mitch Holdis comes to town this year. He's bringing Danon Hughes, his uh, color commentator, with him, and the two of them will be on the stage answering questions, the questions to be offered by Mr. Haynes and yours truly. The questions 
are really no problem for these guys, especially for Holtus, who is so, so all-encompassing with Chief's knowledge as to almost be unbelievable. He can answer everything, anything, and he is primed and ready and always does. He has a good time when he's down here for this thing. It's it's a big time. Danan, this will be his first time, but in another circumstance, we have Danan with us all the time on in the other circumstance, and he is he is right on the ball. The guy is a brilliant linguist. He is a former pro baseball player with the Milwaukee Brewers system. He is knowledgeable of all aspects of what goes on in the Kansas City camp. This will really be a major addition, and I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the big deal this year. Is that We've had Mitch down for the past four years, and this is the first year that Danon has joined him. And it's pretty exciting because uh, we'll get their interaction, their interplay with each other. They've been uh, a partnership for, I think, two years this now. This will be year number three. Yeah. Year number three coming up. And it'll be neat to get the perspective. Neat. Neat. <laughs> to get the perspective of a former player along with Mitch Holtis. But if you've never been to one of these, it's just a lot of fun because you will not find more sports knowledge on one stage than you will find with Mitch Holtis, Art Haynes, and Ned Reynolds. And the three of them add Dana Hughes into that mix, and it, it should be just a lot of fun. Tickets are on sale right now at our website, 1047thecave.com. Can you give us just a sneak peek, Ned, of what questions you're going to, what softballs you're going to toss? Well, they won't be. They will be. They will be hardcore. Hard Number hitting. One, uh, I, I want, <laughs> and I know Mitch has been asked this question many times, but the NFL Network has two of their contributing announcers who picked the Chiefs for last place. Now, last place in that division, still a winning record, ten and seven, but a non-playoff team. This reporter thinks that's a lot of nonsense. They're a, they're, they're a good team. Are they a championship team in that division? At divisions loaded, maybe the best in the NFL. But I want to hear Mr. Holdis's reply to that and Danon's reply to that because this is so, so much of a competitive circumstance with all these good quarterbacks who are coming into the AFC West. And, you, and the Chiefs have the best of those quarterbacks uh, I cannot imagine that they are not going to be vying for the championship. I, 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 I've seen a lot of negative articles about the Chief. I, I talked about one this week. Sitting in for Mike, the intern, doing Keys to the Kingdom, the CBS said that they were they were primed for a, a step backwards. Let me get your impression of the of the three of you. Denver, does Russell Wilson make that big of a difference oh, I, in that I team? I think he does, yes. But does, I mean, does he automatically vault them into a playoff caliber team? Because I, my opinion is that he's going to be doing the same thing he was in Seattle, and that's running for his life. He has a different set of characters here. They, Denver's not a bad team. No. And I think Russell Wilson's uh, addition to that team brings them together, gives him a number of variables in which to work, and I do look for them to be a contending. I look for all, all four of them to be contending teams, including the Raiders. I think they'll be very tough. This is a, this is a really hell of a division. And I think we're going to see some good football. But the answer to your question is yes. I think Russell Wilson does make that much of a difference. What about you, Alec? I'd say he does. When you look at Denver, if they can look as average as they did with next to no quarterback play, you add a Russell Wilson to the mix with the defense he's got, with the offensive weapons, then I do think they vault up and they can challenge Kansas City. Can they win? That remains to be seen. Tyreek Hill might be 
a substantial loss. However, you still have the guy, number 15, running the offense. As long as he's there, both Las Vegas and Denver and the Chargers will have to show us that they are able to beat Kansas City because they have not shown us they can do it yet. We spent a lot of time this week talking about heart of the champion. Do you think you're going to see that this year from the Chiefs, Josh? Yes, I do. I think they're they're angry, they're disappointed, uh, and they the chip is back on their shoulder. They they do have something to prove now. I mean, they've had a great they had a great run these last few years, but they only came up with one Super Bowl victory. So there's a lot of people questioning them, and I think they'll respond positively to that. But I'll actually be the dissenting opinion. I don't. I think Russell Wilson's a great quarterback. I think Russell Wilson will make the the Broncos better, but they've still got a lot of holes in their offense and defense that they need to fill. And so I don't know that I mean I think they'll they'll it'll be more competitive because that division is always competitive. These teams beat the crap out of each other all year. And so I think they'll be more competitive against the Chiefs, but I I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year at all. Well, there's still no offensive line in Denver to speak no, of, yeah, so he's gonna, he's he's going to be doing the same thing he did in Seattle, and that's just going to be running. And if you've got a quarterback that's either on his back or running for his life the entire game, that's hard to win. Russell Wilson is an amazing quarterback. He's right there with Patrick Mahomes at the top of the quarterbacks at the in the NFL right mm-hmm. now. When we come back, we're going to chat a little bit with, uh, I'll give this away, Alec is a Steelers fan, so we'll find out about Juju Schuster-Smith, if I can say that. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Thursday night is our Chiefs Happy Hour. It's happening at the Blue Room Comedy Club downtown, just off the square. College Station, right across from the theaters there. Tickets are available online through our website, 1047thecave.com. Again, Mitch Holtis. Art Haynes, Deb Reynolds, Dane and Hughes, Mike the Intern, all together, talking Chiefs. And we have a guy in our studio today, Alex Scott, one of the reasons why I wanted to ask Alec to be on the show. First of all, he's younger than all of us. <laughs> so, and I think he knows CPR in case any of us go on the air, which would be a good thing. But he's a, he's a Steelers fan, and I wanted, because none of us are Steelers fans, just your impression of the new Chiefs receiver, former Steelers receiver juju schuster smith so juju i feel what the common public knows is that they see the tiktok dances they see his social media fame they see all of that side of things and while he definitely prioritizes that over some things and more than other players do when the helmet comes on and the game starts he is a tough player that guy will go over the middle that guy will block he will do what is asked of him he got injured for Pittsburgh against Denver early in the season last year, still gutted it out and came back for the playoff game, knowing that he's probably not coming back the year after because he has the passion to play and the dedication to the team. So when he comes to Kansas City, they're going to get a multifaceted guy who can help out in a few different areas. And it's no secret his best years were when Antonio Brown was taking the major coverage away from him. But I would argue he's not the number one weapon now in Kansas City. Travis Kelsey still holds that torch and will be the defense's primary focus. So if you have single coverage against a guy like him, 
I think he's going to be a nice piece for them. I think he's going to show more of what he showed in his first two years with Pittsburgh than what he showed over the back stint of it. Let me ask you this quickly. Were you disappointed that the Steelers did not re-sign him? No. um, We had tried a one-year thing on a comeback and kind of prove it deal, and he got injured, so it's not his fault. But I think the relationship had just hit a point where it was time. Now, to enhance upon what he said, uh, Smith-Schuster was in Pittsburgh for a rally of some sort, oh, I guess maybe three weeks ago, two or three or four weeks ago, was being interviewed by the media, and they said something about the fact that, hey, it's a a one-year deal that you have in Kansas City. What does the future hold for you? Is there a possibility you would be back with the Steelers? And he made a veiled statement, something to the effect that I like this team. Said I like Pittsburgh and the way they have built their team and something to the effect that you never say never. So is he a one-year loner? I think that's a possibility. I think when you look at I mean, he's he showed the potential in those first two years to be a guy that catches in on one of these big wide receiver contracts that we're seeing a lot of right now. I would think that some of these single-year strategies are He's aiming for that. He wants to do one more year, show he's got it in the tank, sure. and see if one of these teams will offer him that big extension. And he's being smart about it. He's burning no bridges. You know, talk about how great it was where you are, where you were. Talk about how great it is where you are. And ultimately, if you can get the money and win, then <laughs> Kansas City certainly a great spot to stay if I'm Juju. What I like about him is his size because, and that's something that the Chiefs have never had as a receiver that goes up and gets the ball over the defensive backs. And it seems like that's the way the Steelers were built is I saw, I, I watched a few of their games last year and it was, uh, I kept thinking to myself, oh, gosh, it should be nice if Kansas City, if Patrick Mahomes had somebody like that. They could just throw a ball up, and then they just go up over the defenders and get the ball. And it seems like that's the way the Steelers are kind of built. It was for this last year, but that was a byproduct of a quarterback that couldn't move and an offensive line that couldn't protect. So <laughs> one of your best plays was to snap it out of the shotgun, drop two steps, and throw it 40 yards and pray. And, you know... <laughs> We had some mixed results with that. Um, Hopefully in Pittsburgh this year, we're going to get a younger quarterback. We'll see whether Mitch Trubisky or the rookie Kenny Pickett wins the job. But with someone who can actually run around, that can erase some offensive line issues where Ben Roethlisberger, for everything he did for the team, he in just could not get away from any kind of pressure, and we had an offensive line that could barely hold the line. Well, like I think in, in the case of Pickett, I believe I'm right on this. He's a Pittsburgh, University of Pittsburgh kid. That's correct. So he's playing right there in his in his home area. He'll have certainly an advantage. Let's speak a little bit about the height factor, too. With, the, with Tyreek Hill in there, don't sell him short. No, physically he wasn't quite as big, but he had a great level of elevation. Yeah. That guy could really jump and, and make great catches. Over and above all of that, the Chiefs definitely are not as good a team without him on there. He had a, a wonderful mental aspect as to what he could do. His his lateral movement is non-parel. You're not going to find anybody. Smith-Schuster, uh, Valdez-Scantling, these guys do not have that lateral movement. They have good, but it's not what Tyreek Hill was. So it's going to take some adjustment on the part of Mahomes and the team. Now, can they adjust? Of course they can. 
Mahomes is a great player. He'll have some addition in running backs who are going to help him. Their problem is also, like a lot of the others, their offensive line. Can it hold up? And the bottom line with all pro football teams, all football teams, period, is the rate of attrition. Can they avoid the injury factor? Because I do not perceive the Chiefs' depth factor as being quite as good as it has been. But that's simply a preseason circumstance and a, a reporter's viewpoint. Let's talk about the major NFL move this week and finally... Well, I wouldn't say the soap opera that is the Cleveland Browns is over, but we have resolution to one major storyline, and that is Baker Mayfield no longer with the team. He is with the Carolina Panthers. And uh, I saw today through some of the tickers, Ned, you said that uh, the behind-the-scenes behind story, not a popular guy, and that's what we're starting to see. Oh, yeah. That, there's every reason to think that they wanted him gone. He was not a leader. He was an individual who comes in with a Heisman Trophy. And this, and this is all you can just see it in his behavior. Heisman Trophy, I, I'm, you guys listen to me here. I, we'll, we'll do this and we'll do that. Wait a minute. You, you gain respect from your teammates by doing more than just talking. You've got to show it on the field. He's not a bad player. Baker Mayfield can, and I think he'll probably do pretty well with the Carolina Panthers. But over and above all of that, I think the Browns were very happy to get rid of him. And no, Watson's probably not going to play this year. Maybe not even next year. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But Jacoby Brissett can come in. He has some experience. He's been a pro quarterback before. And I think they're going to just, hey, take take the uh, chips the way they fall and go with it from there. Alec, what did you think of this move, this trade? First, it's, I think it's good for all parties involved. The relationship was broken. There was no coming back, even if they had not been able to find a trade partner for Baker. I didn't see any circumstance where he played with the team. He would have eaten the eaten the fines and stayed away, is my opinion. Carolina just spent their first-round draft pick on a left tackle, Ikevikwanu, and if he pans out, you know, you've already got your blindside protected for Baker. They've got a DJ Moore in Carolina who, despite – so-so quarterback play, to be polite, has actually shown he can be very productive. So Baker's not falling into the worst spot for him. And going back to Cleveland, you're right. Jacoby Brissett has started. He can, and the strength of that team is the running game. Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are going to be the stars, potentially even if Watson did avoid a suspension. That is where everything starts for them. So Cleveland, you know, we'll see what comes out of it with the quarterback situation. You never know with leveraging so much against trading draft picks maybe you miss them maybe you don't <laughs> we'll find out when when the season starts josh what first, do you think first of all it's cleveland so <laughs> uh they are a lesson in futility year after year they actually had a playoff contending team with baker mayfield and they managed to screw all that up and maybe it was him i mean he did play for oklahoma so you know he's an arrogant whatever because he was a quarterback at oklahoma <laughs> Um, Josh, don't hold back. Which okay. amounts to nothing in the NFL, and that's what he's learned, is that his arrogance got the better of him. Uh, I think he will disappear into relative obscurity with Carolina because they're not a good team anymore, and we'll stop talking about him. So, cool. Let's move on. This is so, to, to a guy who's about 50, 60, 70 years older than the rest of you, me. Oh, come on. This is so enlightening because the Cleveland Browns, 
back when I was a kid and a young top. adult. They oh, were tops. God. Paul Brown, Jimmy Brown, the yeah. Cleveland Browns coming into town. I mean, you quivered in fear when you saw this team because they were so strong, so muscular. I, I will remember the remember for poverty reasons, the 1964 NFL championship before the Super Bowl had been established. It was the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Colts. Back then, you flip-flopped each year. American Conference got one, uh, I'm sorry, Eastern Conference got one home field, Western Conference got the other. Well, it just so happened the Browns were the Eastern Conference champions and the Baltimore Colts, of all things, east of Cleveland, but they were the Western <laughs> Conference champs. Anyway, Baltimore had to come into Cleveland to play the championship game right, I think, two or three days after Christmas of 64. Baltimore was a seven-point favorite. They had Johnny Unitas had all these great stars. Cleveland beats them 27 to nothing. Wow! In in the oh the cold and the mud, and they had probably 75, 80,000 fans at Old Municipal Stadium again, but they were the Browns. That's the Browns that mm -hmm. I remember. Jimmy Brown and all of the great players they had on their team, they were just a powerful, strong, well-run organization. And then you bring in new owners and you see what happens. Yeah. Well, and see, and the Browns that I remember as a teenager watching football were the Marty Schottenheimer era Browns who were contending but always failed. And then after that, they just fell like the whole bottom dropped out of that <laughs> franchise. Bernie Kosar. What? This yeah, guy Bernie is Kosar. saging a baseball field. That's weird. Okay. Just thought I'd see <laughs> that on TV. Demons. You know, he's casting out the demons from a baseball field. I'm not sure what that was all about, but, you know. You just been watching I, the Cardinals this past <laughs> week. Just thought I'd drop that in there. Well, when we come back, we'll talk about the Cardinals in just a minute. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. Part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. It is hot like August, but it's not August, it's July. And that means baseball, and that means also, too, that we're nearing the all-star break. And our uh, St. Louis Cardinals have not been playing very well as of lately. Very up-and-down team. What's your... What's your take, Ned? Well, that's exactly what they are. Inconsistent, and they have been all season long. The current slump that they're in, they'll, they'll get out of that because they're entirely too good a ball club to allow that to happen. But having said all that, the mix in that lineup without Harrison Bader and without uh, uh, Yadier Molina being in there, without their leaders, O'Neal being out, that all creates an imbalance in the way they're structured right now. And the mix of that team is simply not very good. You knew when Yepes came up there and starts hitting home runs right from the very start, oh, that's never a good sign. Because now they've figured out, they being the National League pitchers, what the guy's weaknesses are, and they're beginning to exploit that now. And he's not coming up with the big hits. And yet they had him, I don't know about yesterday, but they had him batting fifth in the lineup behind Arnado belong there. <laughs> you got to have somebody to to inter, intertwine and mix up that power. You have two superstars in Goldschmidt and Arnato. You have other good players, but they are not working well together. Furthermore, at case in point, is that going into today's game with Philadelphia, 
the Cardinals have not scored an earned run, an earned run in 46 innings. Wow. 18 of which has been scoreless, period. Not just unearned runs, nothing. And you can't have that kind of uh, inconsistency in your lineup and expect to win, and presto, they have not. Philadelphia's won the first two games of this series. They haven't exactly knocked the cover off the ball. It's been 2 nothing and one to nothing yesterday's game on a sack fly in the ninth. But the Cardinals have to get people healthy. They have to get their pitching staff in order. I'm quite sure that prior to the deadline, which is coming up August 1st this year, the trade deadline, the Cardinals are going to be in the market for a starting pitcher. It's what do they give up? If they, if the teams with whom they're dealing take a look at the Springfield Cardinals and say, I see this uh, Jordan Walker down there and uh, this Mason Wynn, Oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen because these are two big-time major league players in the in the offing. What do you think, Alec? What's the, the solution here for the Cardinals? Because I've, we, Ned and I have talked about this a lot, that uh, starting pitcher, obviously, a lot of teams are going to be in the market for a starting pitcher, but the mix in the lineup's not good. Maybe they go after a, a bat or two. You know, they might need to. You Every team's going to come over a slump at some point. It's a long season. You're not going to play your best the whole time. Silver lining of what's happening right now, they are playing good teams. You would hate to see this happening if this was against the Pirates or the Reds. At least it is against competitive squads. But ultimately, some of these guys, you know, Tommy's been a little down. You know, we're missing O'Neal. Carlson's been in and out of the lineup. There's no secret that half of your success will also be determined by your health. And we've been a team where our bats have just not been able to stay in there and consistently get that kind of get the reps they need. So looking for a bat, I believe, would help. You know, we could we're we're always looking for something specifically a shortstop with a little more batting prowess. I would still think that at least one starting pitcher would be required. We need someone to eat up innings. Michaelis and Wainwright are doing it. Hudson has good starts here and there, but once he get past, past that, we're really running out of options that can consistently pitch well, consistently eat up innings, and the more we use that bullpen, the worse things are going to get from here. Josh, you haven't been watching baseball, so I don't know why we're going to ask you, but, <laughs> but let's, let's stop and ask you. Trade lines, trade deadlines coming up, what do you, what do you think the Cardinals should do? Um... Well, I, from listening to you guys, it sounds like they do need some. They need to shore up the pitching a little better. And if their lineup is really uh, kind of floundering, then it might put some juice in them to get a, a better bat in there. You know, it's interesting to me. I'll kind of shift focus a little bit here. The injuries. Baseball is a game where, based on how many games they play, you would think more people would be on the injured reserve more often. Or over the course of the season, you would see more players overall. So I think baseball players play through injury more than maybe they should. And that can affect the outcome of these games as well, in my opinion. Well, there's also some thought that they're going to the sidelines in an unnecessary circumstance, too. I th- it kind of evens out one way or the other. Yeah. You, you make the point, though, about the fact that they do need some new individuals in there. <clears throat> the Cardinals need leadership. And I don't really feel like there is a leader, and that includes Goldschmidt and Arnato, not being in the clubhouse for them. You don't know what kind of influence they have. I would imagine it's good, but do they have the key leader? And in my opinion, Yadier Molina is the key leader, and he is not there. He's in Puerto Rico. 
He's allegedly rehabbing a knee injury. Well, that can happen. He's 39 years old and catching and squatting all the time. That's, that's going to take its toll on the knees. But you do that with the team. You stay with the team because you're the leader. Mm-hmm. You're the heart and soul. You're the inspiration and the spirit of this club. My God, he's been with them forever. But he's home in Puerto Rico. There's something amiss. And we may never know what it is, but there's something wrong. Alec, I'll go back to you. You mentioned a shortstop that the Cardinals might need or might be looking for. Anybody on your radar that you think they should pick up? Well, I I was looking today, and I'm I'm spacing on the name. Maybe someone can fill in the gap here. There's a guy out of Colorado. They just lost Trevor Story. They've got a prospect in the minors that they're expecting is going to be their next guy. They're looking to potentially bring in. It's been no secret for the Cardinals shortstop, even though they've had some plus defenders at that position. The bat has just been quiet for years now, not since Eckstein that I can recall. We had someone who's come up and consistently played at the level they've needed it to. The solution looked like it could have been move Tommy Edmond over to shortstop if Gorman could consistently play, but they seem content to only let Gorman play against right-handed pitchers and sit him when he's going with the... Jose Iglesias, is that your I believe that is the guy, and he's, you know, he is he... Is he lighting it up? Is he blowing everybody away? Not necessarily. But if they've already got a guy in the wings and you can get someone who's playing plus baseball for without too much of a price tag on it, that would be a position that the Cardinals could really use. 297 batting average, two home runs, 23 RBIs. I mean, he's a get-on-base sort of guy, and that's and you know that's what a lot of teams are missing these days is that I find, and, um, you know, not to always redirect everything back to my Yankees, that was something that they missed over the last few years is it was a lot of solo home runs, and now they've got a team of guys that get on base in front of the boppers, and then, you know, it's a solo home run turns into a two- or three-run home run. Joe, that's what what baseball's all about. That is a team game, and that's why you play small ball and get the runners on base and have your big boppers up there. Case in point is uh, the Phillies yesterday in the ninth inning, uh, they, I don't remember exactly what the situation was, but they sacrificed to get a runner to third. And this is this is regulation time now, so there was not a ghost runner on second base. Got the runner over to third with a bunt single. Oh, wow. Now, I think it was D.D. Gregorius. How about that? A former Yankee coming through? (laughs) D.D. I think that's who it was, but regardless of that, they got a runner on third base with one out. Sack fly? Bingo. There's your answer right there. Cardinals come up last of the night. They get runners on second and third. Nobody out. Can't score. Mm. Now, there again is the inconsistency of a ball club. Yeah, and Alec pointed this out. They're in a slump, and every team goes into a slump. It's going to happen to anybody, including the Yankees. But the good no. teams <laughs> uh, the good teams will have slumps. It's just that there aren't very many of them. The bad teams have slumps, and they're season-long, unfortunately. You're talking so about what? my Cubs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there's, I, we were talking before we went on the air that there's been some surprising teams, and we'll talk about them really quickly. One in the National League. Central, and that is the Pittsburgh Pirates who play pretty well. They're coming on. They are a young team. Of course, the Pirates are always a young team. If they can stay together and form a nucleus, they are going to be heard from maybe not as soon as next year, but certainly within the next couple of years because they can play, and they have some good players on that ball club. Their pitching staff does need to be upgraded, but 
and they're a team of the future. And the same, I think, can be said for the Baltimore Orioles. Oh, they're, uh, they've won seven straight. It is 12-49, and they are already winning their game against the L.A. Angels of Anaheim, of uh, Los Angeles, of wherever they're from now. And that score is 8-2 to two with one out in the fifth inning. So Baltimore looking to be heading towards their eighth consecutive win mm-hmm. and trying to get into the playoff picture, which would be something as bad as that organization has been for many years. Now you're also talking about a, a team there who they're playing, the Angels. Another one that's in disarray. Here you have all sorts of stars on their team. Shohei Otani is the best player in all of baseball, and that takes nothing away from their American superstar on that team who's always seeming to be injured somewhere along the line. But, hey, it's, it's a team that just has never been able to put things together, and it may be ownership in front office and creating all sorts of monetary disparity with the way they're put together. That's a psychological problem more than anything else, but they should be a whole lot better than what they are. When we come back, we'll wrap up the show, talk about what we're going to watch on TV today. It's Ned Talk. You're listening to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave, part of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. Back to Ned Talk on 104.7 The Cave. A proud member of the Kansas City Chiefs Radio Network. It is not quite so hot yet. It is getting there, though. It'll be really warm this afternoon. 92 for a high under clear skies tonight. 60 for a low, but it's going to be warm the rest of the week, and there's no rain in sight. I have given up on my yard. It is dead, and that's it for the year. That's all I'm going to say about it. It's crunchy. I'll probably cut down on mowing. Well, I'm not mowing it, paying somebody to mow, but I'm probably going to cut down on paying that person to mow because it's just uh, not good. I know it's not bothering you. You're sitting there smiling. Ned Reynolds loves the heat. I do. I'm a, I'm a hot weather fan. This a little bit too extreme, but over and above that, I looked at my lawn this morning and said, yeah, it's uh, no, it doesn't need mowing at all. I'm, I'm <laughs> wussing out on going out there and doing it because it would have been by hand. Unlike you, I don't have the money to be able to pay somebody. Oh, sh- <laughs> <laughs> oh stop it. So stop it. in terms of watching anything, though, I've got some obligatory chores that need to be done and then if I do watch a game, it'll be the Red Sox and the Yankees tonight. What a surprise. Red Sox, Yankees, that automatically means that the networks, oh, no decision here. Everybody wants to see the Yankees and the Red Sox. Well, yeah, you do. Mm. I'll <laughs> debate that point. <laughs> well, it is, you know, besides the Dodgers and the Giants, the Cardinals and the Cubs, it's, it's the number one rivalry in baseball. Well, it's supposedly, as the media makes it that way, it's not a very good rivalry this year, though. The media. Will you stop it with then that? My old profession is blamed for everything. You blame everything. <laughs> you blame everything. You're the one who blame everything them. For, for them for everything. Are you, I, so there's no tennis to watch. Are you, so you're going to do your chores and then you're going to watch baseball. Red Sox, Yankees. Yeah. Are you going to fall asleep while you watch baseball? There is a possibility that'll happen, yes. Do you fall asleep in the chair sometimes? <laughs> and drool all over myself? Yes. And the, cats, the cats wake you up. Ned, Ned, no, time's they, been... They wake me up, but it's not by nudging. It's by clawing and meowing and carrying on because they want their chow. They want their chow. Dinner okay. time. 
All right. What about you, Alec? What are you going to watch today? Got some afternoon baseball on deck. Plante gets the ball. Hopefully the Cardinals can turn this thing around. Um, anytime they get a hit, it's cause for celebration right now. <laughs> um, I, we often cheer in our household. No, no hitter. No perfect game. Whatever happens to us tonight, we won't be on the wrong side of history. So maybe today we get that win, build a little confidence as we go into a set against the Dodgers coming up where mm-hmm. we're really going to need to be feeling confident to make a dent. Josh, what about you? What you just said there is what Cubs fans say all the time. <laughs> so I'm proud of you. Uh, I'm I'm hitting the road. I'm going on a road trip today, so I'm, oh, yeah, I'm not going right. to watch any TV today. What are you going to What are you going to listen to? One hundred four point seven. One hundred four point seven. The cave until it runs out. Yeah. Well, and of course, if you're a baseball fan, we carry on our sister station one hundred five point one, the Bull. They are our home for the St. Louis Cardinals. We always tell people to listen to the Cardinals on that station, but to make sure that they tune back here for the coolest DJs and the best music. That's what it says for me to say. Yes. I'm not not one of the coolest DJs. Mike Mike and Jay are the coolest DJs. Uh, I put you right up. It's a three-way tie. No. You're You're at least top three. Yeah, I'm at least. You are top three. Well, we we have actually three other DJs, so I, I'm at least top six. So. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. You keep so. shooting for the stars, brother. I know. I'm happy being where I'm at. I'm happy with all that. All right, guys. Well, thanks for being with us, Alec. Thanks for joining us today. I think it's safe to say that we will have you back in the very near future, if not sooner. Uh, but again, to remind everybody that Thursday night is the night for Mitch Holtis, Dana Hughes, Mike the Intern. Ned Reynolds and Art Haynes, they'll be down at the Blue Room Comedy Club. No, they will not be doing blue comedy, but they will be talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. It'll be all red and gold, and tickets are still available for that online at 1047thecave.com. They sell out, so get your tickets right now. Ned, I'll see you, well, I guess in a week. Thursday, Thursday, and then Sunday. That's right. Alec, I'll see you tomorrow morning. Right and early. Josh, soon, I hope. Soon, I hope. Soon, soon. All right. That's Ned Talk. You can listen to us as a podcast online at 1047thecave.com through the Cave Smart app or wherever you get your podcast at. Thanks to Corbin Campbell, Mike the Intern, Brian Tyndall, and Nick Fury. We'll see you next Sunday.